Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Hi there, it's Timmy Manor and welcome to the Spirit of Sport right here on 1170 SEN. Joining me tonight, as he does every single week, my man Benny Little. Right here. I've also got a little special guest as well, Georgie D. Danzy. What's up, mate? Hey, what's happening, guys? Good to be here. Come on. Yeah, man. So right here, we play some great songs. We speak to some amazing figures in the sport from the past and present. And right now, tonight, we have a very special guest in it on the mic. The Beast. Beastie. Our guest <laughs> this week is one of the most feared and beloved rugby players of his generation. Born in 85 in Zimbabwe. Our guest would go on to become one of the most celebrated players of his era with 117 caps for the South African Springbok. Our guest is the most capped Springbok for the South African in South African history and the third most capped Springbok of all time behind Victor Matfield and Brian Habana. He would retire in 2019, a fitting end to a glorious career capped off with a World Cup win in England and Tokyo. Tonight, my guest in the spirit of sport is South African rugby star, Tendai, the beast. Tendai, welcome to the Spirit of Sport, champ. No, thank you so much, Tim. Thanks for having me, man, and I uh, appreciate the intro. <laughs> oh, man, I, I'm actually so excited to hear your voice. It's been a while. How, how's things? Tell me how, what's news. How you been? No, I've been keeping warm, man. I've transitioned now into my next chapter of uh, life. I'm thoroughly enjoying it, man. And uh, yeah, I must say I miss our, you know, our catch-ups. You know, and I used to come there for Super Rugby Tour, so hopefully we can catch up soon again. Mate, the first time I met you was actually introduced to you by uh, Georgie Danzi, and we went for sushi. sushi. You remember that? Correct. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Mate, the, the, we, we piled up the sushi plates at the end of it, and it was actually higher than your head. <laughs> I remember Inspirational. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we ate so much sushi. I think we might have actually... Uh, Eating that whole place out, you know. <laughs> 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 left out oh. after I was done. <laughs> oh, it was always a highlight. Whenever the, the Springbok or Durban Sharks were in town, it was always a highlight to see you, brother. <laughs> um, mate, I want to start right from the very beginning, bro. Let's let's talk from the start. You come from Zimb- Zimbabwe with a, a backpack, mate. Tell us about how how you got into um, rugby in, in, in South Africa as well. Yeah, man, yeah, so for, you know, for me, it was humble beginnings. Uh, like you said, yeah, I was born and raised in, in Arari, uh And, um, you know, uh, when I was, uh, you know, um, uh, young, I discovered that I was quite talented in the game of rugby. Um, and I played it at school, and a lot of my friends, my family, you know, told me that, you know, I could make it professionally. Um, and I bought into that, you know, and I uh, just, you know, I just dreamt of actually getting an opportunity to get into a pro team. And in Zimbabwe, there was no, t- there was no league, you know, there was no professional league after school. So the closest place I dreamt of going to was South Africa. 
So I used to watch South African rugby. I was a Springbok fan, and I idolized, you know, many of those players, you know, back then. So yeah, man, when I was uh, 18, um, I got uh, scouted um, on a tour because uh, the same schools used to play in tournaments um, in South Africa. So it was there where I was scouted by the Sharks, uh, and they obviously were impressed with my play and offered me a bursary to come and, uh, you know, join the academy straight after school. And I had to go back and finish my schooling uh, because my parents would have never allowed me to <laughs> to just join the Sharks, you know. Uh, right then, I had to come back home and uh, complete my, my A-levels. And I did that, but I did it with so much excitement. You know, I knew this. I knew that this was the opportunity that I dreamed of, you know, since I was a young boy. So I embarked on this journey. And my parents, you know, uh, they gave me the best this uh, start to life, you know, with what they had in the school, me and my siblings. And, um, yeah, now they say, you know, go and pursue your dream. And, uh, you know, they gave me, uh, yeah, the little that they had and uh, embarked on this journey from Harare to Durban. Yeah, like we say, with just a backpack, with a few items of clothes, with my rugby boots uh, and a couple of hundred rands and with a, with a big dream. And, uh, yeah, so... I, got to Durban and I worked hard, you know, to prove my worth, you know, because I was an unknown and uh, as you know, South African rugby is very competitive. So I had to, I had to earn my respect, you know, with uh, my peers um, and also my competition and I quickly did that. And uh, yeah, man, and I made my debut for the Sharks senior side in 2007 when I was 21 and never looked back. So yeah, an incredible journey of just, you know, perseverance, uh, determination, discipline, and yeah, and just believing in myself. Yeah, That's amazing, bro. Just for us Aussies listening over here, you said you left with a couple hundred rand or grand? <laughs> no, <laughs> hundred rand, man. Hundred rand. Man. So, what can you explain? Team? Explain to the Aussies. Two thousand rand in total. Explain to the Aussies. So, <laughs> a couple hundred rand. What, what's that in Australian dollars? Give everyone an idea of that. Okay, so um, I'd say that would be, yeah, two hundred dollars. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Beast. When you left Zimbabwe yeah. to go to Durban, uh, is that a move you did with the family? And if it was, how was that? No, actually, I didn't do it with the family. I was on my own, you know, oh, wow. which was, yeah, I was leaving the nest, you know, and uh, I had to go to a different country, uh, you know, with no family, with no support. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I had to, yeah, figure my way out, you know, and it was really tough. It was daunting for, you know, a young 18-year-old, now turning 19 at the time. And, yeah, but uh, I guess my, my hunger, you know, to yeah. to go and, success kind of you know yeah just kind of made me forget about my surroundings i guess yeah right the prince of durban mate uh tell me is it was it true that when, you, <laughs> when you were playing when you were playing were you still uh bartending and, and a bouncer as well in a nightclub is that is that a true story <laughs> that is a true story but uh, but uh, you know, i was still playing junior rugby so i was at the academy i was playing so you know it is, i wasn't contracted at the time so yeah. you know, i was basically on a trial you know they wanted to see if i was good enough so to to put you know to buy food and you know do what i want i had to do i i started this you know side hustles and of which one was being a bouncer at a nightclub and also bartending, man. Uh, you know, so I got a few extra 
yeah, you know, a few extra rand to, you know, try and help me with my meals and everything. You talk about that drive that you had that you weren't going to give up, that you kept pushing through. Um, where did where did you develop that drive and resilience, do you reckon? Jeez, I think, you know, it was something that was just inside of me. You know, I really believe that probably God put something in my in my and on on my heart inside of me, you know, this passion, uh, and uh, that drove me to just achieving so much. And I guess you know my journey right at the beginning of my journey. Um, you know, um, there was a lot of adversity. You know, it was really tough, and um, you know, I was fortunate to to have you know some great mentors, uh, people that just believed in me, and uh, you know, they just told me that I could make it. You know, I could really turn my life around, you know, I could, you know, become a success, but, you know, I had to really, you know, go out there and, um, and work hard and do all those things, you know, that were necessary for me to get to the top. So I guess that hunger was just instilled in, in me at an early age. Uh, yeah, because I just badly wanted to, 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 to succeed and change my life. Mate, you went on to, to play for the Springbok and then yeah, there's there's always a bit of noise about you being from Zimbabwe, playing for South Africa. How, how did you cope with that? Like I know it would have been frustrating because yeah, it was always a dream of yours to play for the Springbok. How, how did you handle that noise? Yeah, no, it was uh, it was uh, it was tough. Uh, yeah, I guess you know um, I I came you know to, you know to to South Africa to to you know to contribute you know and uh, uh, play a part on you know, on the rugby field you know. Uh, that would be instrumental in, in wins and victories and just taking, you know, the country forward. Uh, and there were obviously uh, people that were not supportive of that. Uh, but I guess, you know, I, I just didn't really pay attention to, to neg- you know, negativity. Yeah. I just uh, focused on people that were closest to me. You know, I kept that circle pretty small, my mentors. And, of course, you know, uh, just making sure that I, you know, I went to church, you know, and uh, you know, I just walked, you know, with faith and knowing that, you know, the good Lord was looking out for me, and uh, the, you know, the best was yet to come, and uh, you know, all those things, you know. That, so I just, yeah, so that's how I kind of just cut out all the the noise and the negativity, and yeah, I was, you know, I was just amazed with how I just going forward but and, and, and going through battles and achieving so much yeah and just not having all those things weigh you know weigh me down you know what i love i love the fact that there was there was so many haters out there throwing their two cents in but then when it came time to the crunch i was in south africa during the the world cup uh i think it was the 2017 one and um your your face your, i don't keep telling you but your face was everywhere every post every shopping mall was just had the beast and then you go People watch a Durban game or a Springbok game, and the whole crowd chants "beast." Like, I mean, from somebody that was getting so much noise and from the haters, to have the whole country embrace you and, and be one of their, you know, cult figures and one of their favorite sons, says a lot of not just about um, your ability, but also you as a person that people can warm to you and, and quickly change their minds. Um, you, you mentioned before about you mentioned before about your faith and how 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 did that affect your your journey? Like, I know it's um. You know, everyone's got a story, everyone's got a journey, but, um, you know, being a, a fellow Christian as well and, and going through the sporting world, there's always, um, you know, it's it's not just something you do on a Sunday, it's part of your life. How did you find that throughout your career and your faith and connection through that? Yeah, and I think, you know, my, my faith was my foundation in my journey, you know. 
you know, I got saved when I was 16 years old uh, back in Zimbabwe. And, you know, uh, my mom was basically, you know, the, the one that drove me to, you know, to the Lord. And, you know, she was just such a, you know, um, a great uh, mom and just teaching me and my siblings, you know, that in life, you know, uh, you must know that there's a higher power. You, know? you must know that, you know, you just don't go out and achieve things and uh there's not a bigger purpose you know so so i kind of made that decision at a, at a young age so uh, and i knew about you know about the lord and i knew about the bible and um when i got to south africa i guess you know all those things that were tough all the destructions all the challenges you know um, my faith carried me through all of those you know and i, I always you know, the also the Lord was, you know, was my comfort. I used, always used to go to church. I always used to go to youth and spend time with people that were like me, you know, uh, people that loved the Lord. And that's how, you know, I, I just felt like, oh, you know, some of those things that I achieved, I can't even explain how I did it, you know, or, or some of the, 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 you know, the upper battles that I faced, you know, how I overcame those. I can't even explain it. It was, just, it was basically the Lord, uh, you know, just working in my life. Uh, so, yeah, I've got quite an amazing testimony you know, for his goodness. And uh, mm. I'm not perfect, you know, I've made mistakes along my journey, that's a fact. But, you know, one thing that I've, ne- one thing I've never lost sight of is that, you know, I'm, I'm here to, you know, for a bigger purpose. And I'm here to represent, you know, uh, Jesus. And, uh, yeah, and I'm here for his kingdom. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, my life is, is basically a testimony of, uh, of his faith. Yeah, it's so good, Beastie. I remember when you would tour with the either with the Durban team, well, the Sharks or the Springboks, um, and what would what would be a surprising, definitely uh, an, an interesting um, indication of your group was that there's a lot of guys in the team, whether it be the Sharks or the, or the Springboks, that have a lot of faith. And would you say that sort of helped you as you started your 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 career in, in rugby, or has it enabled you to be the person you are now? Yeah, definitely, and uh, it played a big part in, in my journey, in my career, because as you know, you know, being a you know, um, uh, being a sports, a sports figure, sports person, and you know, the success and the fame can get to your head, and you know, and you can easily get caught up in the wrong things, you know. So having a you know a, a group of guys around me, or actually a whole team, that, you know, that were Christians. Uh, devoted Christians was amazing because, you know, every time I remember when we toured Australia, yeah. the first thing we would do is try and find Georgie, you know, try and find out where we can go to church, yeah. you know, during the week and on our day off on Sundays. So that really helped me, you know, to just, yeah, to navigate this whole big stage, you know, and uh, make good decisions and surround myself with the right people. Uh, yeah. You've had such a big impact on and off the field, I mean, with your foundation and with the different things you're doing to raise up the next generation. Was that always your intention when you started out to have such a big impact off the field and in your nation as well? Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think it was, you know, uh, yeah, something in my heart, you know, probably God put it in my heart, you know, because of the journey that I had, you know. Um, uh, yeah, like I said, I came from, from uh, humble beginnings. And uh, along the way, you know, uh, just had people that rallied behind me to help me financially, you know, to support me, give me great 
advice, you know, so, you know, a lot of people helped me to get to where I am today. You yeah. know? So I decided, well, after I was through playing, but when I retire one day, you know, I want to create a vehicle uh, where I can impact the next generation, where I can empower, you know, the youth. And, um, yeah, so I started the, the Peace Foundation, which yeah. is that now, you know, and uh, my, you know, my vision is to reach, you know, all, you know, all four corners or, um, you know, of, of, of the African continent and create opportunities for for young people, you know, uh, you know, and not just in rugby and, and different, you know, sporting codes, you know, and empower the youth through education, life skills. Um, so I've got quite a big vision and uh, it's going to take a lot of, yeah, a lot of work to, you know, to get there. That's so good. So good, Beast. I love it. Love that. Yeah. Is um, you're talking about you know you had a lot of good people in your life and good mentors. Is there someone or a mentor or a coach or somebody that stands out that look you look back on and that really helped you uh, grow as a person? Yes. Yeah. And uh, there, there was a guy who was quite uh, helpful, especially in my you know in the early stages of my my uh, career. Um, a guy called Jeremy Thompson. He was a ex rugby player, um, ex pro rugby player. Played for the Sharks, played for the Springboks, uh, and he took me under his wing, and uh, you know he helped me with, you know, simple things like contracts, understanding, you know, how contracts work, and uh, you know to actually, you know, giving me advice about staying humble, staying hungry, and just, uh, you know, making sure that I don't, uh, yeah, I don't get complacent or comfortable. So. Um, yeah, you know, he's probably the one guy I'd really want to pinpoint out, you know, because he did help me on my journey. You um, you went on to captain, so you spent a long, long time at Durban, your whole career, and you became a leader and a captain. What were some uh, some lessons you you know you took out from, and you know some leadership lessons you could teach us as well, and some of our listeners listening on. Yeah, I think yeah. Now I learned some really, really great lessons, you know, about being a leader. Uh, and I think you know the first one is that you know, um, you know, being a leader doesn't mean that you know you are high, uh, you know, mighty above everybody else. But you actually have to to be the guy that you know serves the team the most, you know, because you know your you know uh, your actions are. You know, they're exemplary to the rest of the team, especially, you know, when I, when I got, you know, named captain, I was probably the most senior guy playing with a lot of, you know, young, young, you know, young guys. So, you know, they, you know, they could see through my behavior that you now just because I, you know, I'm, I got to a certain stage in my career didn't mean that I couldn't do certain things for the team. So it was a big, you know, a uh, big thing for me to be a role model to these youngsters. So I think probably that was one of the biggest lessons, and I think I've taken it through now to my next chapter. You know, I'm running a, I'm running a, a business, uh, and um, yeah, you know, so it's it's kind of those lessons that have really just kind of transpired through, you know, yeah, from the rugby field and onto off the rugby field. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a bit more about that. You got some businesses. I know you were working on a business when you were still playing. Um, how, how's that going? I know you got the foundation, but how's the security business going? Uh, sorry, say that again. The security business is that still up and running? I know you started that when you were playing. Oh yeah, oh yes, yes, yeah. No, that's uh, yeah, that, that that's uh, something that I've been involved in for the last ten years. Um, so I actually invested in one of the um, the big uh, security companies in in, um, in in South Africa, a company called Fidelity Security Services, uh, and uh, 
the guy who's uh, the CEO and founder is an extra rugby player. So he became my mentor uh, and, uh, you know, made me the poster boy for the company. I did a couple of adverts and then he offered me shares in the business. Then I actually did my induction uh, and it just resonated, you know, the security industry and what they do. They protect people, they protect people's assets. So for me, you know, it was like a no-brainer, you know, the beast, you know, protecting people. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's how, you know, this whole thing came about. And then now that I've retired, I'm running a subsidiary of Fidelity as a CEO, yeah. That's what I wanted to talk about. You just brought it up. Thank you for bringing it up. The beastie nickname. Now, now there's a couple of stories. One that I have heard, but you can confirm is it true or not, but there's a, there's a story that goes <laughs> that you finished. There's a place in South Africa somewhere where you got to finish this particular meal, and it's a gigantic meal at a certain amount of time, <laughs> and you smashed the record. You absolutely smashed the record. So, so I just want to see the record still stands, and is, and is that true? Or you can tell the, the real story. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's uh, yeah, that's a funny story. So I think it's probably, uh, you know, it's been told by a few of my teammates. And there's a bit of exaggeration sometimes. <laughs> so I'll tell you. Let, let me tell you exactly, you know, what this record is all about. So there was this restaurant um, in Durban uh, called Sickest Sickest. So when I was about 20, 21, you know, yeah, there was this challenge that was introduced. Um, it was a, a, a kilogram steak oh. and uh, 500 grams of um, uh, fried uh, chips and uh, liter cool drink um and if you finish this whole meal uh in, in an hour then you get it for free so the, the very first time i did it uh with my teammates <laughs> i finished it in 12 minutes <laughs> <laughs> yes well done what a I, I finished it in 12 minutes man i uh. promise you they had to come and search because they're thinking i'm hiding the you know i'm hiding the food in my pocket <laughs> so yeah, I did it so many times after that, and then actually ended up getting a, a bit of a warning, you know, do not come there anymore. Mate, a lot of people talk about the jump from the athletic career. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Into uh, professional life. That's still, you know, I'm not saying athletic career is not professional, but... I'm um, jumping in to business and your foundation and things like that, not being an athlete any longer. How did you find that transition and um, what, what sort of few things you did that really helped you? Yeah, no, I think, you know, for me, you know, I was very fortunate to know that, uh, you know, I planned for my retirement way before I retired, you know. So um, the transition was quite seamless, you know, um, and, um, you know, I knew exactly what I was going to do afterwards. So I think, you know, now that's, you know, one of the reasons why I actually started the foundation as well, you know, to to help, you know, sportsmen um, 
to to kind of you know sportsmen and sportswomen to 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 kind of folk you know actually start um, working on their life after sport you know whilst they're still playing because you know as you know yeah sporting career is so short you know and you still got a whole life afterwards so mm, yeah. you have to make sure that you find out what exactly you want to do get into a business venture obviously get advice because there's a lot of you know um yeah there's a lot of con men out there so you don't want to get into something that is going to you know be costing you or lose money so yeah but you have to at least maybe get some sort of you know uh you know um uh academic achievement behind your name you know do a course or something you know just to empower yourself so you can understand about business so uh, you know that's probably why you know for me it was an easy decision for me to retire because I knew what I exactly I was I was walking into I knew I was going to be running this business I knew I was going to start my foundation and one of the things that I haven't mentioned is that I'm actually studying an MBA um, oh wow so, <laughs> yeah, so I'm busy at school man yeah good on you bro That's so, <laughs> so good and your wife's doing no, psychology man, uh, is that right is your wife yeah, doing my wife psychology? Is yeah. psychology? Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. So she's actually about to start a master's as well. Yeah, so um, I've got two two years, yeah, two more years left, man. So I just completed my first year. So, uh, yeah, man, all those things, you know, uh, thank you. So I always knew that I wanted to, yeah, you know, to do all those things. So that's why I would, uh, that's my advice now to the next, yeah. you know, to the next bunch of guys, you know, that prepare well, you know, it's important. Mate. We're going to go straight to the elephant in the room. This is obviously what everyone wants to hear about. Tell us about the World Cup, brother. I know, like, especially for <laughs> someone like you, your whole career, you know, you've been at the one club, you were loyal. You know, you had a near miss a couple of times and you just, you know, you never got to crack the, the big one. And then you go into the World Cup on the big stage, and the world stage, no one really gave you a, a chance. And what you guys did was one of the most special things we've probably seen in sports. So can you tell us what it was like to be part of that? No, Tim, it was incredible. Um, I think, you know, I'm actually getting goosebumps just thinking about the whole journey, you know. Um, yeah, like you said, you know, uh, prior to that, you know, 2016 and 2017 were, you know, probably dubbed the worst years of Springbok rugby. And, um, you know, we everybody, no, nobody had faith in us. You know, the Springbok um, brand was losing, you know, um, you know its status uh, and and, uh, and its influence in the rugby world, so it was a really tough place to be. And then I actually contemplated retiring in 2017, wow. but I uh, you know I stayed on, you know stayed on and believing that you know this thing would turn around. So 2018, when Rossi was named the coach of uh, of, the, of the Springboks, that's when you know everything just took a you know 180 degree turn, and we you know we discussed everything what was going wrong. Uh, you know, you know, there was no alignment, there was no proper direction, you know, the you know, and, and, and the players were kinda not, you know, maintaining the standards of excellence. So, you know, you came in and you did a whole revamp and changed our whole culture. Everybody bought into it and we just embarked on this journey, man, taking it one step at a time. And right at the beginning, you know, uh, before our first game under Rashi's coach he had like this uh, presentation uh, that he used to show on the screen where it was a step-by-step process. Uh, from the very first game we were going to play, I think it was about 18 test matches to the World Cup final. Yeah. So he told us that this this is where we want to get to. This is where we're starting, but this is where we want to get to. 
And along the way, we're probably going to stumble. We're probably going to lose a few games. We're probably going to yell at each other, you know, because we've let each other down. But uh, we're never going to lose sight of our dream of achieving that that World Cup, you know. Yeah. So that whole, you know, thing was ingrained, you know, ingrained in our minds. Mm. And we, you know, we saw it every single week before this match. So, man, so when we got to the World Cup, it was just, you know, it was like, you know, already like there, you know, everybody knew why, why we were there. And then when we lost that first game against New Zealand, it was a stumble in the blocks, but we we kept on believing, you know, we went back to the drawing board, we regrouped, and then, you know, just like that, you know, step by step, you know, we were winning games, go to the quarterfinal against Japan, go to the semifinal against Wales, and then eventually facing England in the final. So it was an incredible journey, you know, that came full circle for me. That's why, uh, you know, I could, I could retire because my work was done, you know. Yeah. I thought, like, you know, this is what I always wanted to leave the, the spring box in a better place. And, uh, yeah, and I did that. Yeah, you mentioned a, a cultural shift and a, a few practical changes that were implemented uh, before that, that run to the World Cup. What were some standout cultural changes for you that you think really made a difference? I think uh, probably the biggest thing was, you know, uh, uh, embracing diversity and uh, and, and inclusivity. Um, that was a big, big turn, turning point for us because so, all along, you know, as you know, in South Africa, you know, we, you know, there was all this whole transformation thing. You know that was kind of lingering in the air, and it was always kind of hindering the team's progression forward, because uh, a lot of people didn't understand what transformation is all about. You know, a lot of coaches. You know, I was fortunate to play for the Springboks for 12 years. A lot of coaches didn't understand that transformation shouldn't be, and you know, an elephant in the room. It's something that should be addressed that the players may buy into it and understand. Uh, and Rossi was the first guy that spoke about transformation openly and honestly in front of the whole team. And he right. took this whole weight of this thing, you know, that was kind of, yeah, you know, yeah, hindering us from achieving, you know, a lot, you know, a lot more, you know. So mm. it was a big thing. And he changed the culture, you know. Before that, the culture, the Springboks was predominantly Afrikaans. You know, everything that we did was, um, you know, in Afrikaans, the game plan, Everything, you know, so now, you know, Rossi said we need to uh, have a team that represents, you know, the, the diversity we have in South Africa, you know, that represents, you know, so many different cultures and, you know, we need to knit this thing together. And we spoke about simple things, um, you know, like guys singing, as you know, like a guy like, uh, you know, Sia, you know, our captain Sia. Yep. He loves singing. It's one of the things that, you know, all those little things, <laughs> they were never addressed before, you know, like players of color didn't feel comfortable to even sing because they thought that it's going to be offensive. But it was their uniqueness, you know. It was their, that's what made them who they are, you know. So all those things, you know, we, we, we spoke about it in context and everybody now could feel comfortable in the setup. And that's what I felt, you know, for the first time, like, you know, everybody's, being themselves and that's why we could play so well and then just you know went on this journey you know unified yeah man i i still remember seeing a speech after the game about you know if you guys can unite as a team yeah how much more can you do as a country it's it's unbelievable that you know south africa for for all the tension that can be there um and all the issues that you can have nothing brings it together like sport you saw 
the Soccer World Cup and how the whole country just came together and in 91 when they won the World Cup and then this was a, the most recent thing. How does it feel to be a part of history? How does it feel to be you know, a key figure in a, in a team that helped you know, unite a country? No, I think it's a massive honour. You know, it's a massive honour and a massive privilege. And uh, you know, I think you know, for me, you know, there was definitely, you know, that 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 bigger purpose to the reason why we won that World Cup. You know, mm, and yeah. um, you know, at that time, like you know, things were were tough. You know, South Africa. There was a lot of things, a lot of issues, and uh, you know, a lot of people were losing hope. You know, and we were instrumental as a team to giving the country hope that. You know, no matter what, no matter where you are, no matter your circumstances, you can rise above those and you can you know, achieve great things, you know. Uh, and, um, you know, that was the big message, you know, embracing diversity, inclusivity, you know. You, you can achieve, you can become much more powerful, you know, when you when we work together, when we embrace the, the quality here in South Africa, the spirit of Ubuntu, which means coming together. Yes. So, you know, coming together and becoming one. So, yeah, that was the, the, the deep message that was really important about, uh, you know, yeah, the win in Japan. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Russell Erasmus, he, um, you guys planned to lose some games. Uh, you mentioned New Zealand the first game. Did you also lose to Japan as well? Did you guys... <laughs> Yeah, we lost to Japan in 2015. Oh, 2015. Yeah, because I, I, yeah, yeah. I know like there was a bit of bit of pressure that came with um, with the World Cup because I know you guys were, you know, the country was well behind you too. So th- there's a bit of pressure with all your players playing in this World Cup because you can you can tell come the World Cup, South Africa are the top four, top three, and so you can imagine the pressure with all the players and all the playing staff and the coaching staff as well at that time as well. If I'm right. Yep. No. No, that's true. You know, playing for the Springboks means, you know, everything is, you know, everything is uh, hunky-dory when you're winning, you know, everybody's happy. But when you're losing, yeah. you feel like you don't want to go outside and face anybody because, you know, they expect you to win every game. So, now nah, it was definitely, yeah, you know, a lot of pressure. And, uh, yeah, that Japan, going back to that Japan loss, man, I promise you, it's probably one of the things that is, you know, it's so, um, yeah, it's so, it's so kind of scars me, you know, every time I speak about it. But <laughs> Sorry I don't bring it up. Girls, you know? <laughs> Just, you look, look at the World Cup, that's how it man, does. You're, yeah. like, <laughs> you're like opening up all the, you know, the... <laughs> Sorry, bro. Sorry, man. We, we got you on here and we just really just... I really wanted to... Th- George is tearing you down. I'm sorry no. about that. We're going deep. We're going deep. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, 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 it's okay. I, um, <laughs> no, hey, after, after the game, after the World Cup win, you and uh, old mate Prince Harry had a bit of a moment. Has, has he reached out to you and asked for any advice uh, lately? Oh, jeez. Yes, now, that moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody talks about that. You know, like a lot of people have reached out to me and say, hey, so you and Prince Harry are mates. I'm like, no, man. I just had to, I just had to walk up him, you know. I just had to, like, make him feel comfortable in the changing room. And uh, I had a moment with him. But I guess it was like, yeah, it was an incredible moment, you know, to meet him. He's such an amazing guy, humble guy. And, uh, yeah, so it was really cool to interact, you know, with royalty. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think I've watched that video so many times, you know, so, <laughs> you know especially now, you know, Prince Harry and, and, and Megan have been in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the media, so it's like I'm, like, reminiscing and just thinking, oh, hey, we actually 
you know, interacting. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Mate, speaking of interacting with royalty, uh, do you want to tell us a bit about your uh, American trip and, and your connection with Rock Nation? <laughs> oh, yes. No, no. That's uh, yeah, quite a, an amazing um, opportunity that came up. Yeah, so my trip first to the States last year was cut short by, you know, COVID-19. Um, I was there. I went there to play for... Um, uh, team in uh, in DC, and uh, it was actually a fun experience. I was there for three months, and uh, yeah, you know, it didn't work out because our season got cut uh, short, and I had to fly back home. And uh, yeah, and then I officially retired. And then uh, next thing, I got a call from Rock Nation. You know, it was unexpected. Um, probably, you know, I just thought, you know, you know. I've kind of, you know, walked away from this whole, you know, um, kind of uh, sports scene in a way in terms of getting representation by, you know, big marketing agencies. I was doing stuff on my own. So they reached out to me and told me that, you know, uh, they believe that I've got a really powerful story and they would want to tell it and they'd want to represent me, you know, um, in all the spheres of my life, you know, my foundation, my commercial, wow. you know, endorsements, yeah. my business, um, you know, endeavors. So it was quite amazing, you know, that they reached out to me, uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, said they want to do stuff with me, which is pretty cool. So you got, now you got Prince Harry and Jay-Z on speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish, man. you know what? That's probably, you know, I'm like hoping one of these days I get invited to those uh, Jay-Z lunches. You know, Jay-Z and Beyonce. You know, like, hey, man, I'll be there. Have you had a chance to uh, to meet The Rock at any stage yet? No, 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 not yet. Possibly if I, uh, I go back to the U.S., maybe, you know, they might plan an interaction. But, uh, yeah, and I've, I've spoken to, you know, DJ Khaled, um, you know, because he's part of Rock Nation. So I've spoken to some really cool people, you know. And uh, so when I, if I go back to the U.S., they'll potentially organize a, a meet and greet. So, yeah, yeah hopefully, awesome. hopefully that happens. You, you still <laughs> a, a big LeBron fan? Yeah, he's a Lakers man, I can tell. I'm, be, I'm still a big, I'm still a huge LeBron fan. I'm, I'm, I'm really upset right now because the Lakers got uh, <laughs> knocked out of the playoffs. So, yeah, man, I'm hurting. Yeah, but uh, I'm still a big. Fan, yeah. yeah, me, me and C actually, we were in um, we were in New York at the same time, so we went to Atlanta together. Remember, we called you from Atlanta, but we um spent some time with the yes, Brooklyn Nets. Yes, you did. Yes. So I think we're both yes. claiming Brooklyn's uh victory uh, success. We're both claiming to be the reason they're succeeding because <laughs> of our inspirational two days there. <laughs> Isn't Kyrie Irving no, a part man. of Rock Nation Sports? Yes, Kyrie Irving is a part of Rock Nation Sports, and I think KD as well. Nice. KD is also, yeah, no, KD is also on the books. Um, yeah, so, yeah, man, hopefully get to meet those guys. Yeah, the Nets, uh, the Nets are strong. I don't know if you watched the game last yeah. night. They just came back, came back victory against the Bucks. But uh, you know, I still think, hey, the the, the Bucks might actually pull it off because right? they're missing Kyrie now. Yeah. Uh, James Harden just came back, but uh, yeah, it'll yeah. be a tough one. Yeah. KD seems determined though. He just had a historic game with those forty-nine points, fifteen rebounds, ten yeah, assists. Yeah, crazy. I know uh, he was clutch. He was clutch last night. Now, but I guess, no, man, there's, uh, it's uh, interesting times. You know, the Suns are also playing well. Yeah. So um, yeah, man, I can't wait to watch the, who gets into the finals. Yeah. 
What's, but, it, been, what's yeah. it been like being a part of the Rock Nation team? How's that been? No, it's been amazing. Um, yeah, I think, you know, their professionalism is second to none, you know. Uh, I've never experienced such, you know, um, you know, professionalism in my career. So it's been really, you know, kind of eye-opening. Um, and I think, you know, they've got obviously global reach. So they're trying now to get my brand out there. You know, they've got plans to try and really maximize, you know, uh, the things that I'm doing, my foundation work. So there's a lot of exciting things in the in the pipeline. And yeah, speaking of your foundation, for us, for the listeners here in Australia, is there anything they can do here to get involved or support what you're doing over there? Yes, no, definitely. There's, uh, there's a way to get involved, you know. So if you want to help uh, with our projects, you know, you know, we basically all about empowering the youth, you know, across the African continent. And uh, if you want to see, you know, the stuff we're doing, just go to www.thebeastfoundation.org, you know, and you can see, you know, some of the amazing stuff. And then there will be also links on how to partner. Just follow, you know, the links on the page get in touch with our team uh, and then, yeah, maybe be a partner uh, and, uh, yeah, and really enjoy the rewards of, you know, going and embarking on a good journey. Yeah. And, your, and your book for sale, is that's for sale in Australia as well? Beast? Yes. Is that what it's yeah, called? Beast? Yeah, it's called Beast, yeah. It's just Beast, yeah. So it's, it's actually on, uh, on, uh, on Kindle. Ah, awesome. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so you can actually uh, download my book from Kindle, and it's, yeah, you know, it's my whole life story and uh, how I started and uh, how I got to that World Cup final. Now, uh, Beast, we have a a premiere part of the (laughs) uh, podcast show right now. It's called 60 Seconds with Blitz. It's the 60-second Blitz. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to fire a bunch of questions at you, and you just need to answer the first thing that comes to your head. Are you ready? Okay. Okay, here we I'm go. ready. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> um, favorite book? <laughs> uh, Barack Obama. First concert? Autobiography. Uh, yeah, my first concert. Rihanna. Yes. First job? First job, uh, bartender. Ooh, uh, worst investment? Uh, bought a uh, fancy vehicle a few years back. <laughs> Give us the name. <laughs> what kind of vehicle? Was it a Mazda 6? Uh, it was a Range Rover Autobiography. Oh, yeah. oh <laughs> expensive services. <laughs> See you later. Um, what's the most unusual habit you have? Um, the most unusual habit. Um, I think I like to have snacks uh, in the wee hours of the morning, sometimes at 1 a.m. <laughs> Does the wife let you eat in bed? Are you a bed eater? <laughs> no, no, she doesn't. Okay. Yeah, I eat whatever. Right. Um, what's, what's a pet hate that you have? I think people that bite their nails. <laughs> Who would you like to meet? I would love to meet Barack Obama. Something you wish you were better at? I wish I could sing. Um, uh, I reckon you can. Like I, reckon, I reckon you can sing, Beast. Yeah, I reckon you can. Uh, what's one thing you always... Oh, thank you. What's one thing you always got in trouble for from your parents growing up? 
Ah, uh, jeez, I was naughty, eh? I think, um, <laughs> oof, I think, jeez, uh, I got in trouble for a whole lot of things, man. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not making my bed, and yeah, probably that's a, yeah, what were the your, most innocent one. <laughs> what were your parents like? They just give you a nice chat, pray for you. Was that, was that discipline in your yeah. family? Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah, but a tough love as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it, mate. You did good. You came out. You came out of the oh, fire. You You've survived. been refined. Well done. You survived. Beast, beast, man. Thank you so much. Well, honestly, we're so honoured for you to join us. Yes. Um, you know, your story is an inspiration, not only to everyone in your country, but worldwide. And I know you're you're a huge figure in Australian Australian sport. We um, a lot of people here look up to you, and we're really grateful for your time. We're really excited about your foundation, and we'll look at how we can get involved as you know as a country. We will also look at your book. Um, like I said, you're you're one of the greatest humans that I've you know been privileged enough to uh, to uh, get to know, and I'm really grateful for your friendship. Thanks for your time, brother, and uh, we look forward to chatting to you soon, man. No, thank you so much, Tim. I appreciate you having me on the show, and uh, yeah, man. And I want to also know you, bro. And I uh, hope that one of these days I'm going to be back in Sydney and we can go for, for some more sushi and ketchup. <laughs> you, uh, you, you know what I realize? Every time I talk to you, I realize I sound like a mouse like compared to him. Like, Beast goes deep. Beast, man, honestly, thank you so much, brother. We, uh, we wish you all the best. We'll, we'll be in touch really soon, man. Love you. No. Thank you, I love you too, man. Cheers, Georgie. Yeah, love to. Stuff for your face and body. It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com. Good seeing the kids. Say we said hello. We do, uh, we do, uh, one love, brother.